Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Mass and All Access podcast is back at Nationals Park starting on Sunday morning for Nats Winterfest. Hello, everyone. Bobby Blanco with Paul Mancano. Thanks for tuning in. And we're joined by Washington Post uh, beat writer Jesse Doherty. Yeah, that's Doherty. It. Yeah, you got it. We, did, we just talked about it on off air, and I already messed it up. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Jesse. Um, just want to get your thoughts on the Nationals. Actually, you just recently joined the beat. You kind of like late season joined the Nationals beat, right? Yes, and, I did. Um, so quick. Quickly, just what are your thoughts on how the season went, how it ended, what kind of went wrong for the team, and then what, how they're approaching this offseason up to this date? Yeah, I think it's hard to put your finger on one thing, obviously, and, and even talking with some of the coaches uh, and Davey yesterday, uh, what they stress, and it's such a cliche, but they really stress the little things, the base running, the getting the, you know, giving teams extra outs, making the mental mistakes in the field, and, and that's hard to pick a game or one player or one instance that sort of is representative of that. But I, I think you have to trust in the coaches if they're going to say, we literally didn't play good enough baseball to win. Uh, obviously, you look at the roster at the start of the year, I don't think it was a personnel issue. Uh, they obviously didn't stay healthy. That was that was tough, too. Uh, you know, they were way, way more banged up than the Braves and Phillies pretty much from start to finish. Uh, but but I, I just think uh, bad baseball caught up to them and, and got them in a position where they couldn't recover. And then they sold off in the middle of August and then, you know, from there, you're kind of just skating to this around 500 finish that was obviously below the standard that this team shoots for. Definitely below the standard. And it was interesting, I thought, yesterday, because at Winterfest, all the players and coaches are made available. And hearing what some of their thoughts, I thought Davey was uh, perhaps the most interesting of all the interviews yesterday. He, I, I, I Tell me if you got the same vibe. He seemed a little bit more confident than he was at this point last year. And he was talking about emphasizing the fundamentals, as you mentioned. And he said, we're going to take days in... Uh, spring training where we just focus on defense we just focus on fielding because we hit a lot but those were some of the issues because that this past team struggled mightily defensively and uh, maybe that's something that he came in expecting to take this team over the top and go to potentially the World Series, and they ended up letting the little things fall by the wayside. Yeah, and I also think that when you're a rookie manager and you you inherit almost a fully veteran team, it's a little bit harder to exert your influence as a rookie manager. Right. Um, first off, the Nets are most likely going to get younger this year, yeah. and, and that has a lot to do with the fact that there's a high potential that Bryce Harper leaves. So, right. you know, the outfield will be very young, and, and there will be a lot of young pieces all over the field. That allows a second-year manager in this case to, you know, really – be himself and not have to sort of see to the veterans right. how they like to run the clubhouse and the yeah. team. And and at the same time, I think even if it was the exact same team coming back, he will be more confident. Yeah. Uh, I think you're always worried about not saying the wrong thing yep. and not, you know, creating any fissure in the locker room by, you know, saying something wrong about Bryce or Zim or whoever it is. And now he knows the personalities. They know him. And yeah. I think you're right. He was he was really confident yesterday. I mean, he kind of made a, I don't want to say a side comment, but something that could have came away of like, you know, we have three to four solid starting pitchers. And right. Uh, that's that's a pretty strong admission from a coach. Uh, yeah. te- you think you know most people would say we have five or six, even if it weren't necessarily true. So right. I think Davey was pretty honest yesterday and, yeah. and pretty uh, forthcoming about sort of some of the t- holes this team still has and the deficiencies they had during the season. Yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of people obviously were very critical of Davey last year, but I think there is a, a certain 
jump of confidence, obviously we just touched on, from year one to year two. I think that's a huge, huge gap because, like Paul said, this time last year, I mean, he was just being hired and he was just the new guy. Obviously, never been a manager before. What are you expecting to see differently but aside from the spring training from Davey in year two? Yeah, and, and the, the most interesting thing there is, like, I'm not sure if we'll necessarily see it, but I think one of the biggest things about his reputation coming in was that he was a player manager in the sense that he's not going to go to the media and sort of drag you through it to yeah. motivate you, but he's going to come to your locker and say it. Yeah. And I wonder if yesterday him saying, I want to be more aggressive or, you know, I forget the exact words he used, but I, I kind of want to just be more forceful as a manager in right. 2019 was him saying, maybe I wasn't that way. Yeah. Maybe I let the guy, you know, jog to first base. Maybe I let someone make a mental mistake and didn't yeah. sit them the next day. I, I, I would expect him to be a little more hands-on yeah. and, and willing to, you know, just you know, to take charge in the way that managers should. Yeah. Um, and in a way that I would imagine a rookie manager would be scared to do in, in an older, more established team. So I would expect that. I don't know if we'll see any, like, massively different tactical you know i don't think he's going to start bullpenning uh or you know or uh hitting his pitcher eighth or you know i i think he'll be pretty similar from a day-to-day standpoint but i do think um behind closed doors and he could be more you know confident and willing to willing to speak his mind to players i think there was even a change as the season went along because i think at the beginning of the year i think you definitely sensed that hesitancy to speak out especially in the media about any of his players Mm -hmm. and he always had positive things to say which is is great but at some points of the season when they were struggling it felt like he almost needed to say something but I thought as the season went along he got better at that I remember there was a quote in August when it was really looking like the team was not living up to expectations and he was saying our starters have to go deeper into games and that I thought was a big moment all right let's switch over to the offseason and what they need to do because they've already made four Big moves, acquired four players, and mm-hmm. Trevor Rosenthal and all those guys. Acquiring two catchers, I thought, was perhaps the most interesting besides the two bullpen arms they got. Kurt Suzuki signing for and then trading for Jan Gomes. I thought it was interesting looking at both their stats. They had almost identical 2018 stats. Yeah. It was kind of odd, and it leaves open the question of who's going to be the, the opening day starter on this team. I don't I don't think they know, yeah. necessarily. And, and I do think your point is is true in that two catchers is interesting, but if you do consider, uh, you know, the, the, the team is sort of taking a similar roster approach as they did last year, the annual, the average value for these two guys is around 13 million. Right. Matt Weir's made 10.5. So you're only spending about two and a half more million a year on two catchers yeah. that w- are going to be, hopefully for the national sake, a lot more productive than Weeders was on his own. So Definitely. I don't even know if it was that different. They didn't go out and spend $25 million at the position and get, you know, Yasmani Grandel yeah. and, and, you know, Jan Gomes. So I, I think the value was really good there. Uh, and I do think that they don't know who the starter is going to be. I think it's going to depend a lot on who uh, establishes a rhythm and relationship with different starting pitchers. Like, right. you know, Max is, is extremely particular. So is yep. Steven Strasburg. Uh, it, it could become we're going to see every time Max goes out that Jan Gomes is – is going to start, and it's not going to be a conversation with the media. That's yep, I love Jan, and you know Kurt's not as good for me. But we're going to we're going to see it, and yeah. we're going to know. And I think you know that that won't really happen until like you know maybe mid-April, early right. May. Uh, but but maybe those things get worked out in spring training, and they come into they come into the season with yeah. a pretty good idea of who starts when. But I think it will be a fairly even split. Yeah, and I think it helps a whole lot that one of them has already worked with these pitchers in the past. If they were two brand new catchers who had never worked with any of the pitchers on the staff, I think that would be a little bit more difficult to integrate those guys and then also worry about platooning as well. Uh, all right, so besides catcher, they still have some holes in starting pitching, and we talked about how Davey said they have three to four starters. Bobby and I have talked about in the offseason that we think Joe Ross has pretty much deserved 
the right to start, uh, you know, unless he blows it in spring training or whatever or can't stay healthy. Right. But beyond that, they've met with Patrick Corbin. Uh, who, who do you think they should go after, and who do you think uh, will be available to them uh, that might want to come here? Yeah, I think well, kind of the big three on the market right now are Patrick Corbin, Dallas Keuchel, and Nathan Eovaldi. I, I would say, just looking at the number, I, I'm a little worried about Corbin. I, I think he kind of like burst onto the scene, and now he's going to make nine figures. Like it's, I don't know if it totally adds up. Uh, and then he's going to win the Cy Young this year, and I'll eat my words. But, <laughs> but it's, but I, I do think like he's kind of this like new. He's like this like shiny toy a bit, right? Yeah. Like he's he's kind of this this new thing. Whereas I think Keuchel's a little bit more consistent year to year yeah. wasn't him, wasn't really himself last year but but he is he you know, let's let's say Strasburg's velo comes back and and Max obviously throws you know mid to high 90s uh, you know Keuchel's kind of like a foil to those guys he's yeah. a little bit of a softer thrower he's a lefty um Corbin is as well but I, I I do think Keuchel's maybe a good balance for the rest of the rotation yeah and maybe you know you know a bit more about him to this point and probably can get him for cheaper so yeah. I, I would say that's probably the best fit for the Nationals and he's a Boris client which never hurts <laughs> because they do so much work with Boris Corp yeah, so uh I as do yesterday yeah and, and then as far as the back end I think if you go into camp and you have three those three guys at the top yeah I think you can say Okay, Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, and you know whoever else go yeah. go compete for the fifth spot. Right. If you strike out on those big guys, you probably want to bring in two arms and yeah. fill out the whole rotation with a little bit more proven, you know, proven guys. But I yeah. think if you do land a top guy, then yeah, you can say the guys we have can compete. Well, it's interesting. I do have similar concerns about Corbin, and I liken him to you, Darvish, in the deal he signed last year mm-hmm. uh, with the Cubs that ended up being a six-year, hundred and twenty-six million dollar deal that ended up. For one year in, not working out so far, he was not able to stay healthy this past year. And to me, it's kind of similar where Corbin struggled with injuries uh, throughout his his uh, career and had one great year, but just kind of inconsistent. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I would I would rather they go after a top guy who's not whose name is not Patrick Corbin if they're going to spend a six year contract, a hundred plus million. I would say. Right. There's some risk there for sure. But yeah. Uh, before we talk about obviously the big name Bryce Harper. What we, we spoke to Mike Rizzo yesterday too. What do you take of the Nationals' just general approach this offseason? We talked the, the minor signings or you know the four guys I've already acquired. Um, they're being active and not kind of just sitting back and waiting for Bryce Harper to make his his move. Uh, do, do you like that approach, or do you think that you know they should make a, a legit push at Bryce? No, I, I think it's good. I, I think there's there's two angles there. I think one, you can't wait. Uh, Trevor Rosendahl throws 99 in a workout with 30 scouts there. He's going to get signed within two weeks. And if you want him, you got to get him. And and then in terms of like you know blitzing the catcher's market, I think I think that's important. I think you're not only selling uh, yourself to potential free agent pitchers like Keuchel and Corbin, which that could go a long way in that veteran catchers. Um, I don't think you know Weeders, Kibum, and Severino necessarily inspire the same kind of confidence that these guys now do with you know starting pitching staff, but I also think you're selling the team to Bryce. I think that they're going to have the money, uh, and I think that um, they have said they want to stay you know below the competitive balance tax. I think if it came between signing re-signing Bryce, if he wants to come back and staying below it, they're going to choose to re-sign Bryce. I, I don't think that the learners are going to shy away from. I don't want to say a few extra million because it could be many extra million, but you know, for the sake, a few extra million just for the sake of you know not spending a lot. I think if Bryce wants to come back and and it works out numbers wise, he will. And I think that them moving fast is saying we're gonna we're not gonna be eighty two and eighty next year. And I think he wants yeah. to know that, right? I mean, what does what does Bryce not have? He doesn't have a ring, uh, so or a playoff series win, right? Or a playoff series win. So I don't think he's gonna go to. 
you know, Pittsburgh right. and try and build up. You know, he's not, he's not trying to – he wants somewhere that has an established team yeah. he, he, he can win with. So the Nationals are proving to him uh, that they can win next year. And then if he leaves, they're proving to themselves they can win next year. So, like, you can't really lose in the situation yeah. of moving fast. What, what you can do is potentially, you know, I, I think teams lose a little bit of leverage and so do free agents as free agency goes on. Um, but I, I don't know. That could be a difference of a couple million. So yeah. it's – which sounds crazy, right? But uh, but that is the business. So, yeah, I, I think moving fast has been a great approach. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think the whole – my whole take on this whole saga, the Bryce Harper saga, is that it's his choice. He's earned this right. Mike Rizzo and Davey both touched on this yesterday. He's earned this right to be a free agent, to make his choice. But I agree. He's not going to go to a Pittsburgh, a Tampa Bay, a Seattle. He wants to go – to a big, he wants to be the guy, mm-hmm. the guy at a major franchise like the Yankees, or a major market too, the Yankees, Chicago, L.A., D.C. So I think it's going to come down to one of those teams. Obviously, those teams all have money too; they can afford him. But yeah, I, I even, I mean, the Phillies, they have a lot of money too. But I, I, I don't see him wanting to be the guy in a, a Philly type, like you know, a blue collar type. I think he wants to be, you know, build a statue, have his poster. Every, you know, he wants to make his money, not just on the field, but off the field, right. in, in, a, in a situation like that. How does D.C., or the Nationals more specifically, appeal to him as opposed to those other destinations that could say, hey, we can maybe pay you a little more money? I think it's home. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't discount that. I think it's a lot different coming some, going somewhere at 24 and being there for six years rather than going there somewhere at 19 and being there for six yeah. years. Like, Bryce Harper has lived with his parents and lived in D.C. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. there's been no – I mean, maybe like, you know, he was in Syracuse for a bit or Harrisburg for, like, yeah. a week. But, like, th- those are the two things he knows. And it's and it's not like – you know, sometimes you go off to college and it's some, like, small town outside of, like, Nebraska. Maybe you don't think of it as, like, home. But, like, I think D.C. is a pretty good sell. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like, yeah. like, to start a family in the suburbs. Like, like these are all things that, that matter. And it's um, – I think – Bryce is comfortable here. I think he knows the organization. I think he's, I think it's, I think his respect and sort of admiration and relationship with Dave Martinez is genuine. Yeah. I, I, I do believe that. I, I think, I, I think just knowing Davey as a reporter, it's, it'd be hard not to like him. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a very likable guy, and yeah. I imagine that translates to playing for him. So I, I think, I think that's the allure of DC. I, I do think there also is an allure of being, you know, and this is for, both Bryce and his agency is being the highest paid player, both in baseball year to year and also of all time. Yeah. Um, that would require, you know, Stanton's extension was 325. So beating that, uh, Zach Greinke is the highest paid guy in AAV at 34. Yeah. So if you're talking 10 years, that's probably to beat that. We'll say 10 years, 341 million beats Greinke in both. Uh, so that's probably a baseline starting point. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so. I think he likes the idea or, or someone or someone guiding him or just the idea of being, you know, going somewhere where no one has before. I, I think that's sort of been his thing, right? Like, I want to make baseball fun again. I want to make baseball a sport that, you know, stars can, can live in. And I think pushing that, pushing that envelope farther than it ever has will accomplish a lot of what Bryce Harper has set out to do. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, Las Vegas winter meetings when we go down there and as well being in Bryce's hometown and the amount of media frenzy that will be surrounding Scott Boris and that whole situation, because I think this is going to this is going to take a while. And we heard Mike Rizzo say yesterday, there's, we haven't heard any timetable from his camp, and we don't expect to, because this could take as long as Bryce wants to decide with this. He holds all the cards in that situation. One more major position that the Nats are in need of, because we can't talk about Bryce Harper. As we say, there are more players than Bryce Harper on this 
uh, out there right now. Uh, second base is going to be interesting, I think, because mm -hmm. we've heard Mike Rizzo say a couple times, we feel good about second base, um, having Howie Kendrick come back, hopefully healthy after that Achilles, and uh, having you know Wilmer Defoe as a potential backup, but kind of light hitting. And then in the minors, they have a couple guys, in particular Carter Keboom, that's kind of you know, knocking down the door, if you would say, for a starting spot in the infield. Hasn't really played a whole lot of second base, but do you expect them to go after a top guy like DJ LeMahieu or sit back and let Howie Kendrick kind of be the main guy until they can get a prospect up midseason maybe? I can't see them going after a top guy like LeMahieu just just because I think he'll ask for like a three- to four-year contract, and I think that's not an investment they want to make at that position. Yeah. If, if he were to say – Hey, I'm going to bet on myself, like sort of like Josh Donaldson in a much smaller scale. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, start prove my worth again for one season. I think yeah, the Nats would say we'll bring you on for one year, right? Two years. But I don't think, considering that they've potentially shifted to developing guys like Carter Keboom and uh, and Luis Garcia a little bit farther down in the system into second baseman, I don't think they want to lock up that spot right. for the foreseeable future. Uh, I do think the tone has shifted a little bit on the second base. I think at first it sounded like a platoon. Now it sounds a lot more like Howie with Wilmer spelling him. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, if, I think it was like, okay, they'll share the position. We have a left. There's a lefty righty with Wilmer's right. hitting switch, but uh, now it sounds like it's Howie's spot. If he comes back healthy and I think you know, it should be. Yeah, yeah. And I think that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, I think Defoe's like, he can, he can give you something on a given night. You know, he's, he's a little bit of pop and he'll, he'll surprise you and he runs the bases really well, yeah. but he also can be a bit maddening with some you know, decisions he makes, but uh, but you know how he's a 291 career hitter, so if he's if he's good and but you also lose a lot of pop there if you consider last year that was Daniel Murphy's spot, like you lose 20 home runs, so it's uh, it's interesting where the Nationals are going to replace power uh, is something I'm thinking a lot about in a league that sort of shifted toward all the top teams. I think last year's playoff team, seven of the eight were in the top ten in home runs, um, so Nationals were not one of those not in the top ten. So uh, I think that's they're going to need to figure that out. Yeah. So the I think the main points of need for this team coming into this offseason were catcher, another starter, and second baseman. They've already addressed catcher. We talked about that. We talked about potential starting pitchers that they could go after, and mm -hmm. then now second baseman. So between the starter and the second baseman, where would you prioritize those, and how would you think that they approach it from now on? I definitely would try and get a starter, especially, yeah. especially because, I, you know, I, I think Steven Strasburg's going to be – close to what he usually is but you don't really know especially since his velocity dropped into the low 90s last year and everyone's saying it's going to be back but it, there's we won't know until we see so I think not knowing what you necessarily have there I think you really need another like like they've had twin aces for a long time and I think they might not next year in the same sense that they have but but pairing Scherzer with, with a prime arm could go a really long way and then if Strasburg is an ace then you have three and it's you're really set. I, I think second base is is definitely of need. I think, but I think if you, well, like one, it becomes way less of a need if Bryce comes back, which yeah. obviously is you know way up in the air. But that's um, a lot of the offensive sort of changes do, and, and also you're getting a lot more production at catcher. So like what. I don't know what replaces what, and I don't think it's like an exact equation of like we had this on one side, now we have to get this on the other. But I do think like they are making the changes elsewhere. <sighs> It's tough. It really is. The second base is, is pretty confounding, uh, yeah. I will say. But yeah. I think you also need a lefty bat behind Zimmerman. Um, mm -hmm. You essentially need Matt Adams right. or someone who looks just like him, which he's a free agent, so just him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's like, but yeah, there's a few other needs, but I, I do think uh, I would go with a starter over second base. So you mentioned a few other needs. Friday night, 8 o'clock, was a deadline to tender contracts to arbitration-eligible players. 
the only real question mark for the Nationals was Sammy Solis. Mm-hmm. He did get to con- he did get to contract. Um, and I th- I think I saw some some backlash from fans. People were like a little confused and upset about that. We're like, you know, why not just let it? is that a move you think that hey, for right now we need at least another lefty in our bullpen for mm-hmm. right now um, because the two guys that they signed or acquired earlier this offseason were both righties. Um, and maybe we'll see if we can go after another lefty down the road. Or was it just, hey, we believe in this guy. He's going to bounce back, and um, he's, he's in our plans for the future. I think it's low risk, high reward. I mean, he, he has really good stuff. And at one point, this organization viewed him as a part of their future yeah. in the bullpen and as like a left, a really good shutdown lefty specialist. So I say, why not? They're going to pay him $850,000 to come into camp and try and earn his spot. He's out of options. So if he doesn't make the team out of camp, he's going to go on waivers. Yeah. And, and then they'll see from there sort of what happens. But. Um, I say, why not? You, have, you know, you have Matt Grace is your only other lefty right now. Uh, you maybe should go out and get one, but if you don't, then it's pretty good insurance to have him coming in just to sort of compete there, and yeah. and you'll and we'll see what kind of shape he comes in and, and where his head's at. I Man, you know, this is kind of do or die for him in terms, at least in terms of the Nationals. And I think if you strike out here, it's not sort of the best audition for other teams either. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I I think that move was totally fine, and I think there's no illusions that he's not like a set part of the bullpen now. I yeah. think it's very much. You know, for him, it's prove yourself or, or you're going to be put on waivers. So it's, uh, yeah, I thought it was a fine move. Yeah, and not cost inhibitive. So no, not nothing that was uh, going to hurt them there. I can't believe we've gone this entire podcast, Jesse, without talking about Syracuse basketball. Uh, <laughs> so let's transition now. Uh, but you and I not only went to Syracuse similar years, but also. This from, is Bobby's worst nightmare. Yeah, this is Bobby's <laughs> biggest, uh, biggest fear as a longtime Maryland fan. Uh, but also, uh, us being from the same general area outside of Philadelphia, I just kind of want to get your personal thoughts on. I've had so many conversations because anybody who is, I feel like, in any way connected to this Nationals team gets asked by all people always about where Bryce Harper is going to go and yeah. what we think is going to happen there. We're from outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You're from Philly, and I'm mm-hmm. from outside of Philadelphia. And it's always a question of, is he going to go to the Phillies, and how would he fit in there? As somebody who is, has been steeped in Philly culture, do you think somebody like Bryce Harper would be able to fit in? Do you think that the fans would be able to kind of rally around him? Yeah. Like where I, that compares to Manny Machado, too. I do, and I think more so than Machado. Right, uh, because of the hustle? Yeah, the hustle? yeah, sure. And like, and more like the, the admission of it, right? Yeah. Like Jimmy Rollins... To his credit, is like an all-time Phillies player, but like he didn't always hustle either. Yeah. But he wouldn't go into the media and say, "I'm not Johnny Hustle." Yeah. And I think that would like really bother. Apologize. Right. Right. I think that would really bother Phillies fans. Yeah. Uh, But um, but Machado also makes so much sense with sort of the entire former Baltimore brass being now in Philadelphia. Like so, I I, I don't I don't really know if Bryce would go to Philly. I mean, they they've they've vowed to spend stupidly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Blank check. Right. And like, you know, their Tommy Hunter deal last year means that they vowed to do that last offseason, too. Yeah. It wasn't just this year. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, I, I don't know. I think he fits like I, I think he's he's like rugged enough. Right. Like, I, I don't think Bryce, I think Bryce kind of got this like pretty boy like sort of like label on him. Like, I don't yeah. think that's really like that true. Yeah. I think like he has he has tall hair. And like you know, he's he has endorsements, which is like kind of shocking to people in baseball because like not a lot of players do. But like I don't, I think Bryce is like fairly rugged and sort of you know, pull your bootstraps up and go to work. Like I, th- I think he could fit in in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, so Paul and you guys bring up Philadelphia and the Phillies. Big picture, you know, the Nationals' window of dominance in the NL East is closing, if not already closed, because mm-hmm. the Braves and the Phillies are both young and good now. The Mets are have still have that rotation, and they just made a, are making big moves this offseason too. 
Do you think the emergence of these other teams are kind of forcing the Nationals card this offseason? And, like, do they have – do you think they kind of have to go in all in on Bryce or – or some like a kite goal, or at second base, we're like, all right, we have to stay competitive with these guys because they're no longer pushovers. We have to, we have to go back to winning championships. I think when you, yeah, when you see the Braves sign Josh Donaldson, and then you see um, sort of as the rain, as the reigning NL champs in a weird year, but definitely you know the division champs, and then you see the Phillies vowing to spend a lot, and yeah, and yeah I think you, you you do feel like you need to make a splash signing. I, I don't know if that necessarily means Bryce, just because a lot of that's out of your control, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't count on. There might not be a dollar amount that gets Bryce here, like that's yeah. just that's just a reality. Like it might because a team might match it, and he might want to go elsewhere. Like yeah. it might, I don't think it's as simple as the Nats want him, the Nats will get him yeah. uh, if they want to make a push. It's it's a bit out of their control. So I do think that the way the other teams are building in the division, you do want to make a big signing. I don't think it necessarily centers on focusing on Bryce. Right. All right. Well, we are beginning the second day of Winterfest. You first Nationals Winterfest that you're enjoying. First one at Nats Park. A little cold. That they're having it in here. Are you? Uh, I brought an extra layer to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you how do you like in Winterfest? Jeff? It's good. It's like <laughs> it's funny to me. Like I was thinking about that today uh-huh. when I was getting ready. I was like, our it's it's such like a weird relationship. Our job is to think about these guys all the time. Yeah. And their job is to think about baseball all the time, <laughs> which we're not in that equation at all. Yeah. So like they come into that room and it's like, you know, they're like, oh, this is you know an obligation or whatever yeah. to talk to us. You know, we're, we're interviewing players in the conference room and like. In my head, I'm like, man, I've had like I've been looking at Victor Robles' name on a spreadsheet the entire offseason. Uh, there he is, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, you put so much thought, you tweet so much, and then like you actually see a guy in person, and it's like, oh wow, you actually do still exist. Yeah. Whereas to them, I'm sure, yeah, I'm not gonna say like they don't care about us at all. I think there's some re- <laughs> the relationships you can build. Yeah. Or, but it, I think it's funny, like um, guys, you sort of think put a lot of time and energy into, you finally get to see, and that's uh, it's refreshing because yeah. it's not just like an immaterial thing. Exactly. I love the comment by your coworker Chelsea James yesterday, where she was saying uh, her dad like saw Bryce Harper on TV and asked who that was, and she said the man who has ruined my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the amount of time and effort that we have to put into Yeah. Together. There you go. Uh, but yeah, thank Jesse. Thanks so much for coming on of the Washington Post. What's your Twitter handle? At Doherty D O U G H E R T Y underscore Jesse J E S S E. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's been great to have you joining the Nationals beat, and uh, great to have you on the podcast. Anytime. Uh, Bobby underscore Blanco at, that is Bobby's Twitter handle. I'm at Paul Mancano. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Thanks so much for listening to the Mass and All Access podcast.